When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, Todd Greenberg, in the meantime, Australian Cricketers Association CEO, is good enough to join Adam and I before we talk about the pitch and all things other stuff. Welcome to you, Todd. Great to have you on. Good morning, fellas. Hopefully uh, we get a bit of test cricket today, but it looks like we'll have an early finish. Yeah, we kind of understand four-day tests happen, but three-day tests you don't want to happen. I'm trying to work out... I had a chat to Simon Kadich and Damien Fleming earlier trying to work out whether it's the pitch, whether it's we didn't bat long enough and should have batted better or whether they should be better than West Indies. What's the reason we're going to get a three-dayer here, do you think? Oh, look, I think it's a, a, a bit of a mixture of all of those things, but, you know, we were quite open uh, during, during the summer to say that, you know, the nations like the West Indies and South Africa and others need additional investment. You know, we need to help them. Um, the ICC needs to help them. Um, and you know, fundamentally, the more money we can put into them to help them resource themselves to play test cricket, the better matches we'll see long term. And that takes some investment now. Um, so that's where I think the primary purpose is. We've got to keep helping these nations. But we could have made 400 though, and we didn't. We were out for 283. So there's a bit of fault in our performance as well because we could have stretched this into a fourth day if we had batted better. No doubt about that. Uh, absolutely. I mean, uh, as I said, it's a it's a mixture of all of those things. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, at one point I thought Steve Smith might bat for a couple of days knowing uh, knowing him and he's, he's pinching for runs. But, yeah, you're right, there's a myriad of issues. But uh, let's hope that uh, the next test is uh, is a better contest. I mean, it's one of those things, Todd, that we, we saw, a, you know, a sample of what the West Indies are capable of doing. And hopefully that's a message to the ICC and, and to everybody else that with more investment, the West Indies can get better quite quickly. Yeah, I think we'd all love to see it. I mean, look, no one wants to see Australia win more than me, but I also know that the market we're in, we want to see competitive cricket. And I think the West Indies did show some of that. You know, they've got some highly talented players, but as we all know, it takes more than just a couple. You know, you've got to invest in your pathways and the development of your players right the way through. And oh, we can see the talent. Uh, we can see the desire. Um, I just think they need a little bit of help. Um, but clearly there's some great performances in this Test match. Um some wonderful taboos, so it's a, it's a good sign for West Indies cricket. Oh, we talked to Josh Hazelwood the other day about the ability for the four fast or the three fast bowlers to play all test matches, all four test matches. Mm. Are they doing anything different? Josh said they're not, but are they doing anything different from a, a training point of view, a preparation point of view, to be able to continually front up, considering the year they've had with India, the Ashes, the World Test Championship, the World Cup that they're still going and firing on all cylinders at the moment. I think it's one of the most, oh, I don't think we've spoken about it enough through that, the course of the summer. Yeah, look, I think it's a good point because there's a level of maturity amongst the bowling troops that uh, I think is, um, you know, we're, we're in a really special spot. I mean, you know, these guys have all got, you know, so many test wickets now, but they know their bodies, they know their preparation, uh, and they're in a high-performance environment where they're trusted to prepare the way they want to prepare, uh, and then ultimately... It's on them for performance, and that's what they've done. They've done that regularly, and uh, they've done it consistently. So, you know, clearly they also like playing together. You can see the camaraderie amongst that group. 
uh, they want to see each other do well, um, which I think is great. It's a great thing for Australian cricket that we've got them. Uh, and let's keep them on the field for as long as we possibly can. Is it maybe a sign of, and I might be reading way too much into this, but a, a bowling captain that, that a bowling captain understands the bowlers a little bit more? Yeah, well, our bowling captain, I'd like to tell you that it's long overdue to have a bowling captain, and uh, uh, you certainly can't fault him, can you? I mean, um, he's an incredibly good leader, but you, you might be onto something there. I mean, the fact is that, you know, a bowling captain will see it differently from the perspective of the bowlers. Um, you know, and some of the bowling rotations and changes he's made over summer have paid huge dividends, so... You know, I'm really pleased for that group. Um, they've been working really hard for a long period of time. Um, you know, they were, I was with them in Pakistan some time ago and saw them bowl some of the longest, toughest spells on wickets that look like the Hume Highway. So whenever I see them get wickets, you know, it's just reward for some of the days where they don't um, and they have to put those hard hours in at the press. Todd, because does every country see Test cricket as important as we see it? Are there other countries? You mentioned funding. If you had X amount of money coming into cricket, a lot of it's coming in because T20 is here. You obviously want to get a bit of that money headed back into test cricket around the world. But you also probably have to talk to a couple of other countries who probably see T20 as their priority. How do you change other countries' priorities and how do you get money to them to convince them that test cricket should be played more often? Yeah, I think that's the ultimate challenge that sits at a global level for cricket. But... I think the short answer is I think everyone does want to play test cricket. Everyone wants to play multi-format cricket. We understand that there's significant revenue available in the shorter forms of the game, and that's understandable. But we can also utilise some of those revenue cricket continues. And you know, that's the point I was making a couple of weeks ago. I don't think there's a revenue problem in global cricket. I think where the problem exists is the distribution of that revenue and then the prioritisation of where that revenue is distributed and spent. Uh, whether that's in formats or whether it's globally within certain countries. So I think there's plenty of money in cricket. I mean, the ICC's global revenues are higher than they've ever been at any time in the game's history. So so clearly the game is in a great place. We've got to make sure that the money is appropriated to the right areas so that in the future, Red Bull cricket, Test cricket, continues and thrives, not just in what people would call the big three in India and England and Australia, but in other parts of the world so that we can see places like Pakistan and South Africa and the West Indies and Sri Lanka and other places continue to play red ball cricket and ensure that that survives not just for our generation but for the next generation. So what's more important? What brings more money? What are the broadcasters getting bigger numbers to watch, the BBL or the tests our summer? Because the BBL is coming to a good climax. Absolutely. The BBL's been fantastic this year. The metrics both in stadia and uh, on broadcast have been great, but there's no doubt that Red Bull cricket in this country um, is a high priority for our broadcasters, and that was evident in the last broadcast deal. But, oh, the, the BBL's been great this year. Um, you know, we've said before a number of times with you that our players understand they're in a partnership agreement with Cricket Australia and leaning in from the players and making sure they do everything they can. Uh, has helped, I think, the metrics this year. As I said, the numbers of in stadiums are up, broadcast numbers are strong, and you know we're coming down to the, the business end of this season now, and we're going to see some great finishes, and who knows who's going to play in the big games. We'll get to the Big, B, uh, the big Bash shortly, because I've got a couple of questions I'd like to ask you about that. But just one final one on, on the test. With the selection in this particular test match with Bancroft and, and Harris missing out, but particularly Bancroft, we had a lot of uh, messages uh, on SEN and talkback callers worried about Bancroft and why he wasn't selected and the whole 
sandpaper uh, gate sort of situation came to the to the fore again. From a, an ACA point of view, are you 100% comfortable with how that was all handled by selectors and the Australian cricket team as to why Bancroft didn't play? Yeah, look, I, th- I think we are. I mean, you know, in simple terms, not our role to be involved in selection issues. And I don't think you can create any sort of untoward debate around Cameron's non-selection. I mean, he has played test cricket since Sandpaper, so I don't think that can be called upon. But, you know, we understand that there's debatable issues around selection all the time, but it's certainly not our place to put our head in the middle of a selection debate. Um, I think it's healthy for cricket that we have those debates. Of course, we'll support players as they need support in whatever sense that comes, whether it's selection or other things. But the merits of selection are ultimately a function of high performance. So um, I don't think there's anything untoward there. And, you know, it's heartening to hear people talk about the importance of shield cricket and the form of shield cricket that warrants test selection. And, you know, our number four playing in this test match has got some pretty handy shield numbers as well. So I think all of that's healthy for Australian cricket. Yeah, I think that's a great point. So just on the big bash, I talked to Nick Hockley about this yesterday. The, the comments that Laurie Evans was making out on the field um, when he was playing for the Scorchers the other night, frustrated that he couldn't stay with his Scorchers for a final series. And the question I had for Nick Hockley, and I'll ask you as well, is who, who's to blame for that, that he's not here for the tournament? Is, a, is it a player thing? Is it a, a competition thing? Who, who is it? Because it feels to me that the next phase of the Big Bash, the progression of the Big Bash from almost an integrity point of view is that he, hmm. they stay for the for the final series. We don't have the, the stars all you know jumping off um, once we get to the business end of the season. Yeah, oh, look, I can understand the point. And in a perfect world, you'd absolutely have that. I mean, I think uh, for domestic players, entirely reasonable they fulfil the, the season commitments. But, you know, I mean, let's be realistic for overseas players conscious that the competition runs both sides of Christmas and New Year can be difficult and you know let's face it this is sort of a bigger part of the global schedule not being ideal which then creates other challenges for international players who have significant choice so there's two parts of this we've got to generate as much revenue here in this country for the BBL to entice players to stay and get well remunerated to stay and play but also we need to have more structure about when all these T20 tournaments are being played so we're not crossing against each other and you know some international players will have signed deals with other franchises and leagues before they've done their BBL deals but look I don't disagree with you in a perfect sense to create the best value for the competition we have as many players playing for the full duration of that competition as best as possible. So Todd can that be something that can be player driven if the the leaders in playing stocks get together to put pressure on competitions so there is an element of fairness for everybody or is this something that's above their pay grade and it is for the administrators to work out ultimately? Look, I think it's a, a bit of all of that together. I mean, um, you know, there's it's a really hard thing to understand all the different leagues that are being scheduled all over the world um, and they crisscross against each other and we've been saying for a while that some strategic leadership of the global schedule is an issue that cricket will face and these are some of the byproducts that happen from that lack of strategic insight for leadership that sits over the top of a broader schedule. So it's not easy, it's not easy to unscramble that egg but I understand the point and the point being that if you can keep your best players in your competition for longer, it's going to create a better competition and more value. Will we be back here at the Adelaide Oval in December for a day-nighter next year or what's the scheduling going to be, Todd? 
Well, next year, I think uh, we get back to a more traditional summer. Um, this year's been a, a slightly strange one given the World Cup in India, but I think we're back for a more traditional look. Whether or not uh, the pink ball tests have been played there or elsewhere, I'm not so sure. So that, that's probably a discussion for Cricket Australia. But, um, you know, I think there's merit on, on the pink ball test. Uh, where that's played, that, that's for another day. And the passing of David Hooks 20 years ago today, we've just been talking to Travis Head about it. He was, I think, uh, 10 or 10, 7 at the time 10, yeah. of the passing. But it's uh, nice to see a bat leaning on the stumps here at the Adelaide Oval in respect to the great David Hooks. So it's a moment in time that is nice to reflect on, given how great a career it was, even though it's a horrific time to reflect on, given we lost him way too early. Yeah, we certainly lost him way too early. And, I mean, it's interesting you mentioned Travis, because you can imagine how much David would have loved to watch the batting of Travis Head. I mean... <laughs> He would have thoroughly enjoyed the way he plays his cricket. But it's a reminder, you know, that Australian cricket's lost some great people. David, 20 years ago and in more recent times, you know, we've lost some other legends. And, you know, I think we've got to treasure the memories that we do have and ensure that we celebrate those players who are with us uh, and reflect on all the positive things that David did for Australian cricket, not just on the field, but also off the field. Great to have you, Todd. Really appreciate your time. Always great to catch up with you and we'll do it again soon. Good on you guys. Thanks, him on the program. Cheers.